Welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast with Dr. Raj Dasgupta, a show all about educating patients, students, and aspiring doctors about better patient care. Dr. Raj is a quadruple board certified physician and associate professor at the University of Southern California. He was a co-host of the TNT series, Chasing the Cure with Ann Curry, as well as a regular on the TV show, The Doctors. And now, here's our show. Hi, and welcome back to The Dr. Raj Show. And as always, this is going to be a podcast about being yourself, about talking about medical issues, issues that face society. And you know what? We had such an interesting topic uh, about two weeks ago. We we're talking about suicide, a topic that sometimes it's hard to talk about. It's hard to speak about. And I wanted to make it a two-part episode because I felt that this is so important to discuss slowly. And we had such a wonderful guest in Jamie. So, of course, I'm excited to end our interview with part two. Let's get started. Before we go to the, the last part where you're going to teach everyone a, a, some amazing things, I mean, for the listeners out there and to you, Jamie, you know, obviously, I kind of know your dad a little bit longer than you because I'm older than you. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, have a, I have some really cool memories I just wanted to tell you and the listeners. So this guy, Uncle Wilmer, he was actually the cool uncle. I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to Jamie. I mean, all the uncles were all right, but he was actually the cool one to be around. and. I remember he loved his cars and he got me really into like sports cars. He was the uncle that it, let, let me listen to cool music, not like nursery rhymes. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and to this day, you know, he was the uncle that taught me how to play pool. And uh, I'm, I'm not good at it, but I remember when we were young, I was kind of a troublemaker. And instead of your, your dad letting me get yelled at at home, he would say, let me just take Raj out. You know, I'm just, you know, let me spend some time with him. And he would bring me to go play pool when I was like, you know, eight, 10 years old. And he was so nice and so cool. And that's what I remember your dad, you know. And, you know, I think that if I had anything to do over in regards to your dad, you know, you know, I guess there's never a good time to commit suicide, you know, but I wish... I was, you know, I, I could have been more around, you know, to whether it be for you or to support him. But um, I do love your dad. He is the coolest. He, he's a cool guy. Um, so let me give you the floor. To, uh, I wanted to uh, have four broad questions. I want you to answer to anyone out there who has had suicide thoughts or is going through this or knows someone. And I know you're trained in this. So one of your statements is that there's there's kind of like a language around suicide, you know, and what, what, what do you mean? Can you expand on that? What do you mean by the language around that? Yeah, um, you, in fact, actually said it. I, well, first off, thank you for sharing those <laughs> memories. That's awesome. I never knew that about you and my father, mm -hmm. about the pool thing, which is awesome. And mm -hmm. I could totally see that. My dad was definitely that cool guy, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> He, uh, so, sorry, go back to that. So when you said, <laughs> I'm thinking about all these things. I'm like, oh, he taught me pool too. And he, anyway. um, so you had said it and the language that you use was committed suicide. 
And that was the first that you said it in this interview or this mm -hmm. podcast, I should say. Mm -hmm. And that is actually one of the biggest things that I addressed and correct from anyone. Mm -hmm. Because when you commit to something, you commit murders, you commit crime, right? Uh -huh. And that association with suicide is one of a negative context when you state Somebody okay. committed suicide. So, I mean, uh, not to say that you're at fault and you should know better. It's more like this is the language that others should be educated in and share whenever you hear anyone say committed suicide. Because you will automatically associate it with a act of something. Somebody did something they weren't supposed to do. Now, the correct term would be died by suicide or suicided. Okay. Um, and, you know, just like anyone would, for example, the terms used of someone died by cancer, someone died by natural causes, we want to bring that language um, in equal context of someone dying by suicide. So that's one big part of it. Okay. Um, so going forward, I know that that's something you're going to correct for sure and, and share with others, which is great because it only takes one, right? Well, it's kind of a nice setup. I kind of put my foot in my mouth and called it out, and now everyone's going to learn my mistake. Well, it's good because all the viewers as well will be able to know no matter what place in life you are or yep. who you are, that is one thing that we want to work towards correcting, right? I love um, it. Yeah, and the other language I mm -hmm. wanted to share um, – so this is a little fact I'm going to put in here. Okay. The youngest suicide that was ever reported was a four-year-old. Oh, now, wow. That sounds impossible and crazy. Yeah. But I want to remind you, for those of you who have children, and I currently don't, but, I mean, we have a huge family, just like Raj said, so there's a lot of <laughs> nieces and nephews running around, right? Mm -hmm. Your language, whatever you speak that, is is known to these little human beings who are so intelligent and they could pick up on things. So for example, if you're going home after a long, hard day and your language is, I had such a rough day, I'm gonna shoot myself. That is uh. something a young four-year-old thinks, mommy and daddy had a hard day. Oh, they want to shoot themselves? And then that can translate in their mind if I'm having a hard day as a four-year-old, and that could be something like I go to school and somebody takes my toy, or mommy and daddy say no to me, oh, I could shoot myself, you know? And we, we are very cautious about those things when it comes to swearing around children, when it comes, right? And, right? Talk, talking about subjects you shouldn't be. Um, but those language, uh, that form of language is something that could be a adapted to uh, inaction for those little human beings. And um, that's also why watching your language in that sense and who you are around, not just children, but I mean, nowadays, and I'm sure Raj, you could also uh, contest to the same. When people are around you and they talk about suicide or they, they talk about, oh, kill me now, you automatically know someone directly that had died by suicide. And you think to yourself, oh, that person shouldn't say that, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's why 
creating that language or changing or transforming that language was a better word to say is what I want to bring to the table and want to share because um, if a four-year-old, a four-year-old has taken their own life, I mean, they didn't get it out of nowhere, right? No, I agree. um, The language is very, very important. Yeah. And and this kind of leads to, you know, my next question, and you mean you gave a couple of facts, but I want to do a, a facts and myths section. So yeah. I think there are a lot of myths about suicide. I'm going to just leave it open-ended. So if you want to throw out a couple of those myths out there and uh, yeah. then we'll kind of cascade off that. So what are some myths out there that people should know? So how am I going to play this though, is I'm going to ask a question and you're going to tell me if it's fact or myth. How about that? <laughs> I like this. This is right? good. All right. All right. Because, I'm ready to get along. Okay. Raj, and for all of those listeners, Raj is a very knowledgeable human being mm-hmm. outside of medicine, and mm-hmm. he's a great guy, and he could be the first one to tell you that although he knows a lot of things, he doesn't know everything. <laughs> that is what true. We wanna do, what we want to do is make sure that, that even for someone like him and, and as studious as he is and the credentials behind him, we want to make sure that even someone like him may not have all the answers, right? Or, or that differently, not every doctor will know the answers when it comes to this, unless perhaps they have been taught otherwise or they've been affected by suicide directly just like Raj and myself have right mm-hmm. so that's why I want to play it this way all right I'm ready I'm kind of okay. Excited about this. okay okay so talking about suicide can plant the idea in someone's head fact or myth I'm gonna say fact because you helped me out because you said as a parent in I'm Sam guilty when I'm having a tough day oh I can just kill myself you don't even realize it comes out of your mouth and it really is, you know, shocking how often people say this. So I think true fact, am I, am I right, Jamie? Well, in that sense, yes, that would be factual. But if you talk about suicide, okay, not in the form of I'm going to kill myself or I had a bad day, shoot me now. Yeah. In the form of just the conversation. Okay. Suicide, that would be a myth because people think okay that when they talk about suicide for example if i share with you that i'm having suicidal thoughts okay it's it's about sharing my feelings and wanting to share that and because i shared that that could also open up a conversation with someone else who has had suicidal thoughts as well because people think if I say oh I want to die by suicide or somebody um, died by suicide yesterday uh, they automatically think that you know it will trigger somebody else but what it actually will do is open the conversation so in that sense it's a myth I love that one that's a great one so okay yeah. so let me get this straight watch what we say but that's not what we're focusing on but mm-hmm. If you want to discuss it, if there is something on the news or in our personal lives or sharing our story, it's good to talk about it. And you That's should encourage right. to talk about it. And there's no negative effects on other people by sharing and being open about it. I like that. Yeah. I love that yeah. one. All right. So I'm 0 for 1. It's all right. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, let's keep it moving. I'll be the Toronto Raptors. Okay. <laughs> oh, you like Guys, that one. if you don't know, I'm from Toronto. I'm out in Canada. I'm enjoying the not-so-good fall weather, but 
the Toronto Raptors won last year. Just saying. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, teenagers have the highest rate of suicide. Fact or myth? These are good questions. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with myth. Okay. And why? <laughs> well, I'm, because, you know, right now when we talk about people in the professional realm, I know that dentists have a high rate of suicide. I know a lot of my critical care doctors, neurologists, you know what I mean? They, they finish some of their training. They're a little bit older in age and you know your dad, you know what I mean? So the people I know and the people I've been interacting with have been older in age, not to say it can happen in teenagers. It's very tragic for anyone, but I think the answer is they're older, right? Mm -hmm. You are right. You are right. Yeah, you got it right. You got it right. So the whole thing around that is, right, and that's mm -hmm. not to take away and say that teenagers don't have a high suicide rate. They do. Okay. It is just when you come to numbers and statistics, the highest risk population are males from 45 to 54. Wow. How old yeah. was your dad? 49. Oh, my yeah. God. And, you know, that actually contributes to what I was sharing about earlier about my father and having that, that stigma of thinking that if, oh, I'm, you know, in my 40s, going on 50s, I should be a man. I should have my sh stuff together. You know what I mean? I should, <laughs> like, I'm very manly. I should man up. I have, I have all these thoughts and feelings and I shouldn't share it with anybody. You know, uh, that very much comes into play. And men and their mental health are at risk because of it, because they feel like they should be at a certain level, at a certain whatever, and uh, they feel as if they can't um, be that. So if they can't be that, why should they live? Wow. So it is, it is very scary and eerie because women fight so hard, for example, to uh, break the barrier of a certain body type or a certain uh, way to, to be or present themselves as a woman. Mm -hmm. And if that's not shown to them, um, you know, it's, it's bad or wrong, but we've broken through a lot of that and males I feel like still have a ways to go and in order to do that is to share and it's okay yeah. for a, a man to have these feelings it's okay for a man to cry it's okay for you know all these cliches that we grew up knowing that we should man up that even language should be taken out because um how it's okay to not be okay and it's okay wherever you are and wherever you aren't whether you're male or female and opening up that conversation to males is very important because um, this will lessen that high risk and as well be able to have a conversation with them and their vulnerability. Um, and I wanted to throw in there the yeah. second highest uh, rate uh, for risk population is the elderly. I, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that at all. You know what I mean? I thought that they'll be, they finally hit that zone in their life where they hopefully accomplish what they have. They see their grandkids. It's like on cruise control. You know what I mean? Let right. me just look at the wheelchair, yeah. look at the nursing home. Yeah. Wow. I didn't guess that. It's definitely um, something I thought of as well, but 
knowing more and more and as more research I've done and more people that I've spoken to, it is being such a high risk because some of the elderly feel as they have no more purpose. Wow. Yeah. So whether kids, you know, business is closed and gone. Um, they live a good life. They have everything they want. They needed, they live their life, but a lot of them just feel like they can't do anything anymore that they, that they don't have a reason to live. Even and let me just cascade on that a little bit, Jamie. Like, you know, right now, I mean, with COVID around the world, not just here in LA, I mean, everywhere, it's really tough for a lot of elderly folk out there, you know, being isolated, not seeing their grandkids, the things that they, they want to live for. You know I mean? They may have an illness thing. I mean, forget about it. I can't even go see the doctor. I just won't take care of myself. So, I mean, I guess my theme, and if you could echo that, is maybe it's time to pick up the phone a little bit more, and there's many organizations out there to help out the elderly, and maybe that's something that, you know, we should all look into or encourage. What do you think? A hundred percent. There have been um, some of the uh, support groups that I have spoken to had given me information on... Uh, a lot of the programming for the elderly and they have had it set up that you could have zoom calls with the elderly and mm -hmm. just chat with them an hour every week and then be able to just have contact with another human being that is someone that they don't know and that they could share things with and that they could, you know, uh, be inquisitive about their life. Right, right. Um, have that interaction because um, that's, I mean, nowadays the elderly are not able to do some of the, you know, activities that they were doing prior to and going out or, yeah. or wherever they're going. Um, so that is set up. There's a lot of organizations that do do that. Mm -hmm. And which the beauty about this is you can have Zoom calls around the world, right? So uh, it doesn't have to be at a uh, nursing home that's around your corner. It could be yeah. anywhere. So, um, I'll definitely give that information for that on and be able to Great. share so that people can do the same. Yeah. Well, let, let's do this. I mean, I'm going to say, if you have one more uh, myth out there, so we, it's a tie game right now. You had one wrong, <laughs> one right. So let's do a, a, a one more, then let's get into talking about some preventive measures and warning signs, you know. So yeah. you have one more myth out there you want to share? Okay, let me do a good one here. Um, All right. I'm doing some stretches. All right. Yeah. Only <laughs> people with mental health issues are suicidal. Dr. Miss. All right. So, you know, Jamie, one of my things is do, teaching board review so people can pass their boards to be doctors. So this is a test-taking skills question, I feel it, because you use the buzzword only. So I always tell my test takers, if you hear only, it's probably a myth. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. Right? You yeah. apply that correctly. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm glad that you shared that because that's an amazing thing to apply, not only to the board exam, but knowing that there's other venues out there that know that if, when you put that word only, it's probably a myth. So it's, <laughs> it's good that you got that. So I will say that yes. uh, although 70% of people who die by suicide suffered with mental illness, there is still 30% who did not have mental illness and were not diagnosed. So wow. um, sharing about my father, he 
to mm-hmm. all of us know we know that there was no mental illness um, that was in play. Now, whether he was diagnosed afterwards and did not share, that could be one thing, but we don't know that. The only thing we do know is that he was in pain or perhaps the pain may have came back and he never shared anything. But we also have to understand that my father was in pain since, I mean, my father recognized he had arthritis or something was wrong at the age of 10. So we also have to understand that, you know, the pain that he was in was from the he lived with the pain all his life and I'll uh, piggyback off that and say that the number one reason why people die by suicide Mm -hmm. is not the act of dying itself. It is because they want to get rid of some sort of pain they are in. Wow. So I just want to make sure that that shed to light because although others may have died with mental illness, by suicide, there are many others that are suffering from a pain that is so unbearable, physical or um, emotional, that they want to end their life. I mean, we could all share that we have maybe been in relationships in the past or high school sweethearts that you had long relationships with, and the minute that ended, you wanted your whole world to end, right? Think of it as that, but then adding the action part of suicide, because if those thoughts are continuously in your head and there's nothing about you being able to voice that, that could stay in your head and that could be your truth and your reality. And if that's your reality, then you're going to act on it. Right. So um, I like that. So let me ask you this. So, you know, um, this is the good stuff for warning signs. So for anyone out there, you know what I mean? If you have a, what are some really nice general warning signs people could get from this conversation from what anything that you want to mention? So I'm going to mention uh, three parts here okay. that help out with anyone to uh, be preventative for okay. anyone they, they have come across that suicidal. Okay. Okay. So the first point I'd, I'd like to share is um, what would uh, be called as invitations. Now I call them invitations because I want others to look into, it's an invitation to share if that person is suicidal. So for example, um, like I shared my father wanting to give away uh, his possessions or his values. So meaning when he shared about not wanting to have my mother, my sister, and I be in his care, and for us to leave him, he was trying to get rid of something that was important in his life. And that's a sign or invitation of suicide for someone else to say, are you thinking about suicide? Are you thinking about ending your life? Are you thinking about killing yourself? Um, You know, there could be other signs like uh, somebody that you've seen all of a sudden is overly emotionally um, loving and says to you, you know, Raj, I really appreciate you today and I really love you and care about you and I want you to know you mean the world to me. And if that's not normal behavior to me, you may question it like, oh, that's very sweet, but also, you know, what's going on? Like, are you having a hard time? So this is what I call invitations. And because they're invitations, there's invitations to ask. 
And alongside that, you'll feel just like I did before my father left. I felt it. It is a gut feeling. You know something is off. You know something's wrong. And there's nothing wrong with following up and asking. It may take a few questions to get into if it really is suicide. And to be honest, what's wrong with asking? Because the worst you could hear is a yes. And if it is a yes, I'm going to go ahead and go forward with the two steps. But think about that. A lot of people okay. try to say, you know, I'm just not going to talk about it. They're acting weird. Who knows? But if you engage in that conversation, then you'd be able to actually find out. And then it would be a safe place for that person to share. You know? Okay. Um, so invitations is the first one, right? Sure. So sure. the second one is... Um, you know, to understand and support. Now, we all know of this thing called listening, and listening is a two-way street, right? But you want to truly listen from a place of no judgment, and you want to uh, understand that their reality is their truth. So, you know, staying away from systematic language if somebody tells you that they're suicidal, some people have said, you know, um, are you that selfish? Or do you know how many of us will miss you? That is not a form of listening in those instances. <laughs> That's a form of, you know what you would do to me if you did what you would what you're saying you're doing, you know? So that's not listening. Uh, listening is, um, you know, making their experience about their experience, not about your experience of them, which I shared earlier on. It just doesn't make sense, right? So really intentive listening and being about that person and not having to say, well, that's really sucky. And about me, there's this, right? Like refraining from all of that will open doors for this person who, who needs help or wants help and doesn't know what to do, right? Um, I can only imagine if you say to somebody, uh, if you did die by suicide, what would your mom think? I don't think that person would ever want to speak to that person anymore, right? No, you're right. Because they just feel like, okay, they're not really listening to me. Um, so number one, again, invitations. Number two, understanding and listening intently. And number three is if anyone ever says to you, yes, I am suicidal, uh, I just went through a bad breakup and thank you for listening to me. You, you as a person that's listening to this on the other end, your job now is to keep them safe because they already have thoughts of suicide and you don't know as, if it's as far as they want to take action. So what you can ask is, do you have a plan? Because then that could be affirmative of, yes, I do. And it could be as I'm going home tonight and I have a shotgun at home. Or it could be, no, I don't have a plan. I just have thoughts. And then, you know, either way, you know if this person's going to get into action or you know if this person has thoughts. And if that person has thoughts, you probably want to check in with them frequently. Yeah. Or if the person has that plan, that plan, if they stated out that plan then it's up to the trained professionals, right? Where I shared with you that I have an assist training and safe talk training, which allows me to help others who are in action of their suicidal thoughts, which you could obtain that training. It's livingworks.net. I'll share that as well. 
Or if you're not trained, you can call critical care units. You could call suicide lines. You could call your local hospital. You could call clergy if that's someone that those, these people turn yeah. to, their mm -hmm. parents, and share with them that open communication. Because if they say they have a plan and you're the only one that's privy to that plan, you they trust you in that moment. So you having clear, concise, open communication with telling them what you're going to do, as in, okay, thank you for sharing me with your plan. Can I go home with you tonight and take that shotgun away from you? Can I go ahead and call your mom? I'm going to go ahead and call, you know, your um, local hospital. Is it okay if I sleep at your house tonight? Is it okay if you sleep with my, at mine? Because right now I just want to keep you safe. And then that way that person understands and knows that there's someone there that is understanding and not judgmental of their thoughts and able to be with them and can and continue to talk to them until perhaps there may be a turning point that that person understands that this is maybe not the route I want to take. Or if that is clearly the route they wanted to take, now a trained professional will clearly go in and be able to help them. So those are the three points that I wanted to share with someone who may not know of what it's like to be someone that could actually support and help and be preventative of someone taking their own life. Wow. Jamie, I gotta tell you, I mean, <laughs> you're just amazing. You know, it's oh. like I said, you know, there's been big gaps in our relationship and friendship being cousins. And, you know, you've really matured into something that's just amazing and awesome. And I do want to say that I know Uncle Wilmer, your dad, will be very super proud of you. And I do mean that. Your information is so important. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you say the last word, but I'm going to tell this much for my, uh, I'm going to say that uh, all the things that, you know, Jamie has, uh, it's going to be put on our website for this podcast so you can get more information. But I want to make sure I say it correctly. You know, Jamie does have something called suicide prevention or is it suicide? So, what, what is that? So my handle on Instagram handle. and Facebook yep. on social media platforms is suicide survival 365. Okay. And through that, you are able to uh, contact via email or a private message and be able to share if you or a loved one is going through something. And on there, there are many people that share about their suicide story, whether it's with self or a, a loved one, so that you are not alone in it. I really show the raw of what it's like um, for suicide. And, and not that there's anything wrong with positive messages or affirmations or things like that. That's not what this account about is about. The account is strictly for people who know what it really feels like and had had thoughts so that others who actually go through it can see that and see themselves in that and be able to reach out. Um, because nowadays, a lot of people are more comfortable behind a computer and typing as opposed to sometimes being on the phone and a, and a uh, crisis line, which there's no problem with that. There's, those resources are available as well from us. But when you do do that, you are speaking to someone just like I shared with about those three preventative measures, someone who is judgment-free, who listens, listens with intent, and will keep you safe. That's what it is. Yeah. I love it. And yeah. on that note, I mean, just promise me a couple of things. Number one, 
that if we get, and I know we're going to get a great response in this podcast, if we have questions, I don't think I'm the right person to answer this. I mean, you are definitely, you know, how to say it. I love your delivery. Would you come back on the show again and answer some questions if we have any? A hundred percent. Anytime. All right, my favorite cousin in the whole wide world. I just want to let you know, I love you lots. Tell your sister I say hello. Tell Auntie Fell, your mom I say hello. And um, you're the best, man. I'm glad we got a chance to catch up today. Thanks. Okay. Love you so much. And I'm glad <laughs> that we did this. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The producers for this show are Christopher Breidigan and Madison Linden. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. <laughs>